Hindsight's 2020, but where would the Vikings be if they hired Nathaniel Hackett or Jim Harbaugh? Plus, has Brian Asamoah's play warranted a youth movement and more playing time for some young Vikings players? We're breaking it all down. It's coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. CARE 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you got to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stick. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with superior sports talk. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's your daily 30-minute breakdown, everything Minnesota sports, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show, every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Sam Wednesday, December 28th, that means it's week 17 of the NFL season already. Can you believe that? Absolutely insane. What happened? Crazy. Crazy. Don't don't blink. I feel like when your team is winning like the Vikings have been, I think it goes faster. I think you kind of float from week to week because we spend like four days wrapping our head around these crazy wins. And then it's time to play the next game. Uh, this is even though this has been a longer week from Saturday to Sunday, we got to wait eight days. Already, it feels like the Packers game is right around the corner. Yeah, I think you're on to something for sure. It's been a while since times moved so fast like this for Vikings fans, but obviously we'll take it. Plenty to get into. Remember, follow Long Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. End on Twitter. Give us a follow. It's at Lockdown M-I-N. And remember, after this show, go check out Lockdown Sports today. From the games that matter most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports today, available on this app. YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, to football we go. I don't know if you guys touched on it on the Ron Johnson show, but the Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett after going 4-11, and losing last week to Baker Mayfield and the Rams by a score of 51-14. to Of course, the Broncos Ouch. traded away the farm. They got Russell Wilson, mortgaged the future, multiple high draft picks, and nearly $250 million guaranteed. I know hindsight's 2020 here, Sam, but just take a quick trip down memory lane with me. Remember this offseason when the talk of the town was, who's it going to be, Jim Harbaugh or D'Amico Ryan's flip a coin because one of them was going to be the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Just how much different do you think this season would have gone if either of those coaches ended up being hired over Kevin O'Connell, and where would they be now? Boy, it is hard to imagine any other path but the Kevin O'Connell path, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Um, and, and it's hard to imagine the team being this successful with anybody else because they have won by such narrow margins in large part because of Kevin O'Connell's chemistry with Kirk Cousins late in games. Is Kirk Cousins going to perform the way he's performing with a defensive-minded coach in the fourth quarter? That's kind of hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, would he be performing this way with Jim Harbaugh? I guess it's hard to say Um, Jim Harbaugh would be such a polar opposite of Kevin O'Connell with regard to how he handles his players, the media, the personality. Um, It's hard to fathom, honestly. And we thought this was a done deal. Like he was in the building for eight hours interviewing. We thought this was happening. um, And then it didn't. 
And Kevin O'Connell ended up being the perfect choice, I think, for this team. And I think he was the best candidate all along. I think it would really, uh, it really ended up the way the Vikings wanted it to end up. Um, the the big question that I have, Luke, is what if they had chosen a different GM? Like that's really where my mind goes because did Quazy approach this offseason to sort of keep the team competitive more so than, say, a Ryan Poles? Ryan Poles blew things up in Chicago. Quazy didn't. Quazy didn't blow things up. And now the Vikings are here, and he looks like a genius. How different would it be if they had actually gone the rebuild route and really leaned into trades and veteran cuts? Um, but from a head coaching standpoint, Luke, you bring up you know some some interesting points there with Ryan, and I, I like a D'Amico Ryan's, right? Like, I think he's going right. to be a great head coach. Um, but Hackett is really the big one. Like, if mm-hmm. the Vikings had gone the Nathaniel Hackett direction, um, who has struggled so mightily with game management, I bet they lose a lot of these one-score games. Like, Hackett brought in a uh, a game management consultant midseason to help him out. Well, Kevin O'Connell had that all year with Ryan Cordell. That's his guy former Cleveland assistant brought him in to make sure he knew how to manage the clock and was making the right decisions. And thus far that's been a key in a lot of these Vikings victories. No, first of all, great point. Great question. Bringing up the GM move, because as fun as it is now, let's be real. Ryan Poles knew that was going to be a two, three, four year process. So as hard as it is for bears fans to watch this and as fun as it is for Vikings fans, they all knew and everybody should know in the back of their minds that Chicago, especially with these early draft picks. They think they've nailed their future quarterback in Justin Fields. Once they surround him and that defense with weapons, Matt Eberflus, they could have things on the right track. They just took a different approach. So I'm glad you brought that up. But back to the coaching hire. Yeah, I I personally never huge on the Harbaugh train, to be honest. I always thought he belonged in the college ranks because he clearly he thrives there and can maximize his best strength. And clearly it worked. I mean, he's in the college playoffs now. Michigan's thriving as a program. And I got to go out on a limb here and say, I don't think he would have lasted very long in Minnesota. When you look at the roster he would have inherited, because he wouldn't have been able to get the things out of the offense like KOC has done to any degree this early. And because of that, there would have been so much turmoil surrounding things like, well, why aren't you getting Justin Jefferson the ball more? Why is Kirk Mm -hmm. Cousins being sacked every time he drops back? Where's the offensive creativity? And in such an offensive-driven league now, That would have blown up in the entire front office's face sooner than later. And within, I don't know, two, three years, I think he would have been gone. And you would have wasted, most importantly, the prime years of J.J. You would have wasted the last few good years of players like Kirk, Harrison Smith, Zedarius, Eric Kendricks, Thielen, Hunter. There's tons of them. So it would have been a dumpster fire, I think, and a real shame. And I think Harbaugh. To some degree, I think he recognized that too. Like what you said about D'Amico, though, he would have had this defense playing much better. He's such a great coach defensively, and his production, the resume, kind of speaks for itself. And there's a reason, as you mentioned, he's going to be a head coach real soon. If it's not next year, it'll be in 2024. The problem is, Mm -hmm. I think despite the short-term success he would have had here, at least defensively, I still think... The most important relationship in the NFL right now is just that marriage between the head coach 
and the quarterback. And although things would have been better compared to what we had with Zimmer around, I, I just still don't think D'Amico would have been able to really get the things out of Kirk Cousins that KOC has gotten. And not to mention, what happens again in two or three years when D'Amico loses all those core veterans I just mentioned on his defense? Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson, Kendricks, maybe Hunter, Dalvin Tomlinson. He's a free agent this offseason. I just think... It would have looked great out the gate, at least defensively. The offense probably would have been fine, you know, stayed afloat a little bit, middle of the pack. But once the honeymoon stage was over, they'd be right where they started again anyways, on the wrong side of the fence when it comes to zigging with a defensive-oriented kind of identity as a team, when the rest of the league is just zagging, going all in on guys like, you know, in Miami, Mike McDaniel, etc. Sam, to play devil's advocate here, too, just for a second. Yeah, We'll see what things look like when the honeymoon's over for KOC, too. I mean, this is fun. But he'll have the same tough decisions to make about this roster with Quasi over the next two, three off seasons, and things are going to look a lot different. But I think it's so clear the number one thing this team needed was a coach that could bring out the best in the quarterback, Kirk Cousins. After all those years getting the cold shoulder and not much support from Mike Zimmer, that's what this league is now. And the Wilfs and Quasi, I think, just hit a home run with the coaching hire at KOC. I really do. Easy to say now, I know because they're winning, but when I just think you know take a step back look at the big picture it just feels like they're in good hands under KOC for a long time um is there another coach or scenario you can think of that was maybe highly debated or discussed that would have changed the landscape of this team and where we would be sitting now Brian Dable Daniels I mentioned how about this even because a lot of people remember, it wasn't long ago, people forget this, they were so split on Kirk Cousins. He'll never be the guy, he'll never win the big games, career 500 quarterback, can't win with him. What if it was the Vikings who went big and traded for a guy like Russell or even Deshaun Watson or someone like that? And this is what we need to be successful. We've got to cut our losses now and move on from Kirk if we're ever going to go win a Super Bowl and go on one of those runs. Well, every team that made a massive quarterback commitment yeah. is reg is regretting it. <laughs> You're right, right, right. Totally. I mean, for for mm -hmm. for those guys that are on the older side of things. If you're if you're in Denver right now, oh man, I mean that what a what a oh. deflating place to be. Cleveland is getting nothing mm -hmm. out of Deshaun Watson. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in football over these like three four weeks where he's been the starter. It's been it's been terrible. Mm -hmm. um, and look at and you know that's Kevin Stefanski there in Cleveland who was he was the Kevin O'Connell three years ago. He was this young, offensive-minded head coach. They overachieved, made the playoffs his first year, won a playoff game. But then, you know, roster stuff happened. Quarterback changes happened. He encountered turmoil. And now I'm sure people are not as high on Kevin Stefanski as they used to be. Why isn't he getting anything out of Deshaun Watson? Um, it's just, like, Vikings fans do need to cherish what's happening this year with Kirk and Kevin O'Connell. And it's almost a shame Kirk is the age he is because I think you'd like to see more prime Kirk years with this partnership. The reality is Kirk is going to be 35 next year. Uh, he's not getting younger. He's, you know, he's getting older pretty soon. He's going to be Matt Ryan. Um, and, and that's a shame that you only get a couple of years probably of Kirk playing at this level with KOC. But I always knew this team needed to go offensive minded. Like mm -hmm. they, I know they interviewed, I think it was Jonathan Gannon, defensive minded coach to be yeah. Ryan's defensive minded coach. And that just didn't make sense to me because we knew that this offense was talented and regardless of the head coach, they were going to produce. I mean, they're going to do something with any, any offensive coordinator that has like their head on straight is going to be able to produce a good offense. But what they needed was 
someone to just craft and hone the offense just a little bit to get the most out of them in fourth quarters where they had struggled so mightily. And that has been the difference. It really has. Kevin O'Connell coming in and sort of drawing up plays when needed to get them in the end zone, to get them down the field and 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 finish off close games. Because in the NFL, every game is like that. So I, I think it you know just provides further evidence that uh, odds are you want to go offensive-minded with your head coach. And I know that the defensive coaches will all protest that, but I think that if you don't have that head coach-quarterback relationship, it's going to be hard to sustain offensive excellence in this league. <clears throat> yeah, a lot of good points there. I don't want to sound too redundant there. I'll just add a, one little other small factor to this. Outside of all the noise and the drama, everybody would have hated that came with a move like, what, who, who's getting who? Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, somebody of that stature. Obviously, too, the way they're both playing speaks volumes as well. You mentioned that. But being such a draft nut, this is kind of a personal level here. The fact that I would have had to sit through two, if not three seasons of virtually zero first and second round draft picks every draft season would have been just such a nightmare for me personally. I'm already Mm -hmm. bummed about having no second rounder this year. And God bless Hawkinson, worth every penny. You know, you remember he was one of my favorite prospects coming out of that draft class. I do. But it just still stings writing up the mock drafts and not having that second round pick. It's the currency of the NFL in those early picks. They're just so valuable. I can't imagine being a Broncos or Browns fan, not having multiple first and seconds, especially as you watch and see those would have been a top 15, if not top five pick right now for the Broncos, which now the Seahawks own, obviously, and are in just incredible position to do more damage after a killer draft last season. Because again, you trade for a quarterback. Okay, I'm going to give you these picks, assuming that they should be very low in the pecking order. I should be successful right out the gate with Russell or Deshaun Watson. So I assume I'm trading you a mid-20s, hopefully, maybe even later than that. Not a top five pick. So crazy to think about, though, just in the big picture, kind of a fun little exercise that I think at the end of the day here, Sam, just really helps remind us how close we were to some other head coaches and how for now, I think, the early signs point to KOC being a home run pick for the Vikings and Quasi, as you mentioned as well. All right, coming up next, we're talking about a youth movement for the Vikings during these final two games. But first, Vikings jump back up to 12 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Vikings open this week versus the Packers as three and a half point underdogs on the road in Lambeau over under starting at 47. Sam, I've seen it move all the way up to 48 and a half despite the frigid conditions over there in Green Bay. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with bet online betonline.net fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds lines and games stats news info you want it they got it nfl nhl nba even mma and ufc bet online makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs go to betonline.net today to learn more that's betonline.net where the game starts. All right, back to football we go here. Sam, two weeks left in the season here for the Vikes. We're starting to see Brian Asamoah finally start to get some more action. He's making some big plays when doing so. I've got a small list of younger names here on the Vikings roster. I just want to go through. You tell me if you think this coaching staff should give these guys more playing time as we wrap up the regular season. Mm -hmm. Let's start with Asamoah, though. That's an easy one. He's now played a career high in snaps in back-to-back weeks, and he's been ultra-productive, too, when he's out their Colts game he was third on the team with tackles last week he had that huge force fumble in recovery and to be honest 
He just looks like a ball of violence out there trying to cause a car wreck every play. I love it. I'm not going to lie. This defense needed a little shot of youth and just energy, especially at linebacker. 27 snaps for Asamoah last week. Should he see even more snaps moving forward? What do you think, Sam? Yeah, so the Vikings have tried the whole undersized like coverage yeah. linebacker thing a few years in a row, right? Troy Dye. He kind of proved that he doesn't really belong on defense. He's more of a special teamer. Mm-hmm. Chaz Surratt didn't even make the team year two. Yeah. Didn't, didn't work out. Didn't work out. Brian Asamoa from day one just looked like he belonged. Like totally different than Die. Mm-hmm. Totally different than Surratt. Explosive in the preseason. Um, I think there was no question that he was maybe one of the most ready draft picks the Vikings had this year to contribute. He is a missile on defense. And I think you saw that with his peanut punch yes, getting the fumble out against the Giants. An unbelievable play. And, and it's not the last time we're going to see that. So I think this is as advertised. He can actually cover you know, these running backs. He can cover these tight ends with his speed. I think you're going to see him get washed out in the run game. That's kind of par for the course when you have an undersized linebacker. But this is a passing league, and it's all about coverage. So I think that the Vikings are already on top of this trend. They saw that Jordan Hicks was struggling in coverage. They saw that other teams were carving him up over the middle of the field, and they've turned to Asamoah in a rotational role. Uh, I think Jordan Hicks has handled it really well. They're both getting involved. I think Asamoah maybe not becomes your starter, but I think he and Hicks can definitely split snaps, particularly if it's the end of a half, for instance, or even the end of a game where you know the other team needs to pass the football. I want Asamoah on the field. A lot of good points there. Tough to take Kendricks or Hicks off the field, but it's just so clear by now. After so many games, we know what Hicks is good at and what he's not. And running around trying to cover wideouts, tight ends, chase down quarterbacks. It's just not his bread and butter. Asamoah? As you kind of mentioned, he's got the juice to fly around and make plays on passing down. So I think plugging him into those sub packages like we talked about at the beginning of the year, we just never saw it down until deploy, like the nickel and the obvious passing down situations. That's a must from here on out, in my opinion. If I'm Kevin Connell, I'm banging the table telling Ed Donatel, we got to see more Brian Osimo in those obvious passing down situations. He's earned the right to be on the field, and I'm just excited to see how he builds off this recent success as of late, kind of leading into the playoffs. Could be one of those fun guys to watch come playoff time that not a lot of maybe national experts uh, really know too much about. Next one, your boy, Kenny Nwangu. You clamored for this guy all offseason, preseason. You hoped he would have just touched the ball more by now but obviously it's tough with the two guys in front of him still want to see can I get more snaps these final few weeks though and if so I guess Sam how does KOC make that happen yeah I don't know I don't know what the deal is there Luke I'm kind of at a loss because Kevin O'Connell's found a way to include Jalen Rager occasionally in the passing game Johnny Munt is good for like one first down (laughs) per game so why can't they find a role for the fastest guy on offense. That's what I don't get. Um, Alexander Madison is averaging a career low, like three and a half yards per carry. Mm. It's not as if there is Walter Payton (laughs) on top of Kene Wangu on the depth chart. Like, I just, I don't understand why there's not more of a niche. I, I think they're playing a little 4D chess. I think they're waiting for the playoffs to unveil 
the Ken A package. I hope so, their, man. Their version of the Wildcat, whatever that might be. Not not to say he's going to get direct snaps, but the Ken A package where they deploy him in an unexpected way. I think KOC's been sitting on it all year when they need it most. Ken A is going to get the call. Yeah, agreed. I, I just think he's the future for the Vikings at running back. Dalvin, monster contract. We'll see what happens there. Madison, free agent now. It's a youth movement coming up, and I think, you know, Kenny needs to be a part of that offensive plan in 2023, so why not start to get him some valuable reps now these last few weeks of the season? Let's see what he's got outside of just special teams and give him the ball these final few weeks. Next one, James Lynch is out in extended time now. Jonathan Bullard still on the IR, so how about giving fifth-round rookie Aceze Adamewo a shot in the trenches. We saw him a little bit last week versus the Giants. Yeah, I was amazed. I mean, I, I looked down on the field. It's like a key third down. Right. And Aceze's on the field. Um, low key, the Vikings have no interior depth right, right, right now. None. They've lost Lynch. They've lost Ross Blacklock. Um, I might be forgetting another one Bullard. as well. But Bob Bullard. They lost Bullard. Yeah, good point. Thank you. Um, so they're down to like Kairos Tonga and mm -hmm. Aceze Odomewo on a lot of these key downs on the inside. It's kind of unbelievable um, that they've really played pretty well. Odomewo's got 10 snaps, 14, 18. So again, he's someone increasing his role every single week. Um, and I think it's kind of by necessity because they don't have a lot of other bodies in there. They said that they liked what they've seen from him based on their expectations. They expected him to be strong. They expected him to have a little bit of explosiveness to him. And I think he's still a little bit of a project. You're not going to see big splash plays uh, in year one. But if he can be someone that can play a little on the edge, move inside, be versatile on that defensive line, uh, I think that there's a role he can play. What You don't need him to be splashy. You need him to be steady. Um, and going forward, it's very reasonable, Luke, that you know unless they get a couple guys back before the playoffs, Odomewo could be taking snaps in playoff games. So these are good opportunities for him to get his feet wet before it really matters. Yeah, a lot of good points there. I'm just looking at the depth chart. You know, if you can just win on first and second down with Dalvin Tomlinson, Harrison Phillips, and then Tonga, who's known as a run stuffer, then you can get into those sub packages, get another DB on the field, get another linebacker, pass rusher, maybe DJ Wanham, who used to play a little five tech. He can get in there, Patrick Jones, whoever it may be. They got options. But again, it comes down to winning on first and second down. I see on their practice squad two defensive tackles, Sheldon Day and TJ Smith. Both, I'll admit, don't know a ton about TJ Smith. This is his second year in the league. I think he came from Arkansas. Big boy, 300 pounds, so he's probably more of a run stopper. But again, don't know a lot about them. Hopefully, we won't be in a situation where we got to pull them up because you're right. It's already pretty thin as is heading into the playoffs. All right, last few here. Patrick Jones, second year man out of pit. More playing time or no? What do you think? You know, it seems like they've they've really leaned on Wanham. As as that number three guy in the rotation, and they've used Jones plenty. I mean, Jones has had some nice games here and there, uh, playing about ten to twenty snaps per game, sometimes more than twenty. But here's what I think, Luke. I think they've been really strategic in the snap counts for Daniil mm -hmm. and especially Zadarius, who's been banged up. I think once playoffs come around, we're going to see less and less rotation, and I think more and more of Daniil and Zadarius staying on the field. I think they've been really intentional about keeping them healthy, but now that the chips are down, I think they play more and more. And I think that if one of them does come off the field, I think it's Wanham who, who gets in there. So I don't know if Jones is going to be a big playoff piece, but um, you know, I think he's right there with Wanham, like in terms of For who sure. do I trust? 
I've never been that impressed with Wanham. I will say this is probably his better, one of his best years. Um, and that's great. Like, it's great to see that someone's kind of taking to this 3-4 defense um, maybe a little faster than you might have expected. Uh, Patrick yeah. Jones, though, he's he's probably going to be part of the future rotation next mm-hmm. year as well. So I like him on the team. I just don't think he's going to have a big role going forward. Yeah, a lot of good points there. Patrick Jones, anytime you hear the coaches talk about him, they just rave about him. So you got to think he's in the future plans. You know, that's a handful of young guys we just went through. And there's some other guys we didn't get to. How about Josh Metellus? He's playing a lot as a third safety all of a sudden. They must like him. Maybe they want to give Harrison Smith a few breathers or just run that three safety look. Uh, you mentioned DJ Wanham. It's what, his fourth year. How about KJ Osborne? It's only his third year. And with the regression of, you know, maybe athletic ability from Adam Thielen, is it possible maybe we go into next year with kg osborne as the number two something to think about a lot of young guys though and a possible youth movement as we kind of wrap up the regular season remember vikes take on the packers in lambo this week packers need to win to keep their playoff hopes alive vikings need to win to keep their number one seed alive and maybe more importantly keep the san francisco 49ers off their heels currently the three seed in the nfc kickoff sunday 325 p.m central standard time sam you'll appreciate this we got the A squad from CBS, Romo and Nance. I know it's not Joe Buck, your number one guy, but you can appreciate a little Romo and Nance, right? Romo and Nance were disgusted by the Vikings the last time they, <laughs> they called were. the game. Cowboys yeah. game. Yikes. They were apologizing to their national audience Yikes. for how bad the Vikings were, so they might be a little bit jaded against us. No, good point there. We got to turn things around. All right, time has come. Real quick, give me one segment. Give me one. First one up here, Sam. Check Woo. this out. <laughs> The Vikings cap, it's going to be sticky next offseason. They will be down multiple draft picks to start the weekend because of the Hawkinson trade and a few other things behind the scenes. Give me one position they should consider the most with their first round pick. Again, got to keep in mind, likely going to be a late first round pick somewhere in those mid-20s-ish. How about wide receiver? Now, I don't think think this is quite as explosive a first round class at wide receiver as in the past. Tell me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. No, um, you're I, right. I've looked, I've looked at the mocks a little bit. It's not quite as top heavy, yep. but if you're picking 30th, I mean, that that's fine. You can get a, a quality wide receiver at that point in the draft. And we've seen a lot of second round picks turn out to be uh, phenomenal players in, in recent years. I, I just think that when you're paying Jefferson, what you're going to pay him, Thielen might still be under a big number. We don't know how that's going to shake out. Hawkinson's salary increases. You're, you're you're expending a lot of resources at pass catcher. You need to start churning young receivers into this roster um, because that's going to be the model. It's going to be Jefferson making a billion, and then you're going to need young guys to step up. So I think you you start planning. You start planning for the contingency that Adam Thielen might not be long for this team. KJ Osborne has one year left. He might go for a big contract somewhere else, and you need to have that number two developed, I think wide receiver. Keep investing in this offense. It's a great case to be made for sure. I'm going to play devil's advocate for KOC, because I, and I did this with Mike Zimmer, if you remember, too. If you're Mike Zimmer and you're such a defensive savant, why are you using all your early picks on defense? You should be able to find some young gems later on, and you should invest into your offense and give them as much help as they need. 
I'm thinking the same thing with KOC this time around. I think he mm. should be able to find and pinpoint and target some later round guys, some weapons, whether it's wide out, running back, offensive line, anything on the offensive side of the ball because he knows what to look for for his scheme to maximize those guys' talent. I think he should invest early on on the defensive side of the ball. And I look at cornerbacks, Sam, tell me if I'm crazy, but if Andrew Booth Jr. doesn't pan out, they're in trouble because Pat P's not going to be around too much longer. Cam Dantzler, we still really don't know what we got. And they put a lot of chips all in that Andrew Booth is going to be around and going to be good, like number one cornerback good someday down the road. I think they need to have a backup plan. And this cornerback class is loaded at the top. There's about seven guys that could go in the first round. If any one of them fell in your lap near the end of round one, I think I'd be running the card up there. But certainly, again, it's fun to think about wide receiver in the offense and getting KOC some weapons. So you're right there. I don't think you can go wrong either way. Next one up, give me one thing you're most interested or curious to see when it comes to the Vikings come playoff time. You kind of mentioned Ken A, maybe a wildcat package, <laughs> something along those lines, maybe something we haven't seen yet that you think they could deploy come playoff time. Yeah, this is a good one. Um, I, I think that on the defensive side of the ball is where there's the most room for creativity. And yeah. I would say we're starting to see it. Luke Braun had a great tweet where he said, you know, he, he thinks that Ed Donatel was using the preseason playbook for the first 10 games. Like, oh, whoops, <laughs> got to adjust my glasses. This is the preseason playbook. Let's get the regular season playbook in here. And now we're actually seeing some exotic looks. I mean, I was complaining that Ed Donatel's version of exotic was the Orlando Holiday Inn compared to Mike Zimmer's like five-star Cancun <laughs> resort um, because there was just no creativity in this defense. It was so predictable. There were no blitzers. And now they're actually bringing a Peterson off the edge or a linebacker right. coming in or a, a you know corner blitz, safety blitz. That That's much more appealing to me. So I want to see more of that. I want to see some unique packages. And then I want to see how they kind of shift the defensive line around. Remember when Mike Zimmer put... Everson and Daniil on the yes. interior against the Saints and dominated them. I want to see how he mixes and matches those guys against a good playoff quarterback and how they can try to wreak havoc that way and maybe get some pressure with a four-man front. Yeah, the NASCAR package, I believe Zimmer dubbed that one. And then he'd have Anthony Barr and Kendricks lined up over the A-gap. That was a lot of fun. Same philosophy, just switched to the offensive side of the ball for me. I'm just curious to see how many tricks KOC still has left in the bag. Like, how much does he still left in there that he hasn't showcased already that he's just been saving for a rainy day, like, say, come playoff time. I've got this feeling, if I know him like I think I do, Come playoff time in a close contested game when they need a big drive or big play. KOC just might have a few wrinkles or window dressing. We just haven't seen yet that opposing defenses just don't know is coming. I could be wrong here. I don't know, but I'm curious to find out. Like, has he already emptied the chamber here? Is the clip empty now in week 16? Or has he just been holding on to some of these bullets left when they need him the most? Knowing him, I just wouldn't bet against it. I mean, think about fourth and one goal line. Mm -hmm. Got to have it to go to the bowl in Philly on the road, crowd on their feet. Sam, Kirk gets the call in the huddle. Does this thing? What's the call, Sam? Spider hey. 2Y banana. <laughs> yeah, Annexation man. of Puerto Rico. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thank you. Somebody had to say. All right. Last one here real quick. If Tua Tagaloa does in fact decide to walk away from football after his multiple encounters with the concussion protocol, give me one quarterback who would fit best in Miami in 2023. Just top of your head. Wow. 
Um, well, who? Let's see. Who is going to be sort of floating around? Well, I'll, I'll give I you think, mine right now. I'll just I think get it out of the way. All right. All right. Yep. Uh, Tampa Bay, along with New Orleans, they're going to have to go full rebuild. Their cap numbers, dumpster fire. Very little building blocks to win around for now. And listen, that means Tom Brady. He's going to have lost Bruce Arians and very likely Byron Leftwich in back-to-back years. And we all know he was already rumored to have his bags packed for Miami along with Sean Payton before all the drama came out and they got in trouble. Brady already lost Giselle. There's nothing holding them back now. He's ready to play for another five years. He's going to call up Gronk. He's going to get the boys back for the summer, head down I-75. He gets to stay in the tropical heat, bunk up with Gronk. And Mike Daniels, a rising offensive coaching superstar, not to mention, I haven't even mentioned this, you're thrown to Tyreek and Waddle. For, hey, we'll use our first-round pick on an offensive lineman. And, you know, I'm just saying, if I was a betting man, I'd take the value maybe get that at what five or six to one. And I think about all those dots I just connected and start just counting my money. Now that's what I think because the dolphins are ready to win. Now you got to remember that they've got the skill players. They've got the defense. They just traded for Bradley Chubb. They're in win now mode. It's mm-hmm. almost like an episode of uh ballers on HBO season nine. It's just writing itself at this point, Sam Brady to Miami next year. What do you think? All right. So where did Mike McDaniel come from? Okay. San Francisco. Okay. So there, there's a relationship there. Mm-hmm. What team has three starting quarterbacks on their mm-hmm. roster? San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They've Good got point. a Lance. They've got a Garoppolo. And now they've got a Purdy. This is what the Vikings were in 2017. That's right. When they had a Bridgewater and a Bradford and a Keenum. They've got a lot of options. Now, knowing how sly San Francisco is and how they operate, I got to think that they're going to get some value for that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think that they're going to trade. They're going to make a remarkable playoff run with Brock Purdy. They're going to call up and say, hey, you want Trey Lance? Do you wow. want Trey Lance? Well, that's the golden or, question. Which one you trade? Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I think it would. I think Trey Lance would be the most coveted piece. I think so. Um, and and if San Francisco really like goes on this roll with Purdy, who looks good. Mm hmm. Purdy could be the guy. Yeah. He could be the guy over yeah. Lance, over Garoppolo. So you trade Lance, who really hasn't done anything to to say he's not going to be good, mm-hmm. only getting hurt. So I think Trey Lance is the wild card to move teams, maybe to Miami, um, if this scenario plays out, and he could be the guy. That Just from a pure roster standpoint, and then just connecting the coaching dots, that one makes so much sense. Again, which one are they going to roll with? Well, Brock Purdy just took us deep into the playoffs. I'm not getting rid of him. Maybe we can talk Jimmy G back and say, hey, we're not saying Brock Purdy's for sure the long-term answer. Why don't you stick around just so he has someone to compete with? Maybe he gets hurt like Trey Lance did. You can step back mm-hmm. in. Who knows how that all plays out? But how wild would it be to start next season and say the San Francisco 49ers after investing and paying all that money to Jimmy G for a couple of years, they went to the Super Bowl with him and then using all those high draft picks to move up and go get Trey Lance to start the 2023 season with Brock Purdy as your future quarterback. I just think it'd be wild and just think it'd be very dramatic and fun to uh, just watch that whole thing unfold. But you're right. Certainly you'd try to get everything you could out of Trey Lance. We'll see. I don't know. What's your just quick thoughts on Tua? 30 seconds as we close here. The stock is trending down right now, and it's just kind of tough and sad to see. Yeah. Okay. So 
is the what is the report right now that you've seen? Is this a is Just there that a he's rumor? in concussion protocol and you know nobody outside of Miami has said anything, but the national media mm-hmm. and experts are saying, well, dude, what are we talking? Three yeah. or four now in the last two horrible ones in the last three months? You got to think about pulling the plug here. Right. Yeah. No, that's it's an it's an unbelievable conundrum for a yeah. young player because Tua is potentially a couple of years from a life-changing payday. Yeah. yeah. Um as a 30-year quarterback, you know, he is he's conceivably up for an extension now mm-hmm. um or next year at the latest. So, I think that there's so much incentive to see that through and to and to at least get, you know, a couple of years of that money. That's just and I know the the rookie deals are are still generous, but maybe not life-changing in the same way from a standpoint where you can set up your family members, you can, you know, do you can do so much more with that kind of money. I think that he probably, you know, goes cautiously into this offseason knowing that, all right, um, I got to get my head right going into next year. Um, might affect his play if he's like if he's in his head about that. And I think that could be, you know, side effect as well. But man, there's a lot on the line. So how do you choose? Between right. health, your long-term health, um, you know, setting up your your family's future, it is a tough, tough call. I don't envy it. Yeah, and a lot of good points there. And both sides of the coin. One side of the coin might say, hey, yeah, maybe two of says, hey, I'm fine. I'm ready to roll. I'm willing to risk it. It's my choice. The Miami organization and coaching staff may say, no, we're not going to let you. If you want to play, you can't play for us because we're not going to have that hanging over our head and vice versa. Maybe Miami clears them and the doctors say you're good to go. And, and Tua says, listen, I- I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I can't risk it. I got to pump the brakes. I at least got to take some time off and think about it. So a lot of good points there. It's going to be interesting to see just the entire quarterback landscape in the NFL. You talked about San Francisco's quarterbacks, Miami's. We started the show, too, with the Broncos and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Always a hot topic of discussion in the NFL. All right. That's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. Don't forget, we're a podcast, too. Free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. All you got to do is look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom. He's on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Thanks for tuning in to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Sam, I'm Luke. Until next time, signing out.